0: Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson.
1: Do we really want to be used by God? Do you really want to be used by God? And we saw an example in Jesus Christ as he comes to John to be baptized and, and Jesus answers that question emphatically, yes. Jesus was ready to be used by God. He came here and he is God in the flesh and he shows us, but he's not just an example And as we go through the rest of this story, because really the baptism of Christ and the temptation of Christ, it's really one thing. It's all here together where we can learn something from uh, both of these events that are tied together, that are brought together in the life of Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting? Immediately, Mark says, immediately after his baptism, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Immediately and, and uh, as you look in your scriptures, maybe in, in the different gospels, because all of them talk about it. You know, only two of them talk about the birth of Christ. But all of them talk about the baptism and the temptation of Christ. And, and they say, listen, this is important because he had this spiritual victory. Now he's going to face temptation. And I think that we recognize this because we've experienced it ourselves, haven't we? A spiritual victory and, and then a spiritual trial. A struggle with sin that continues to plague us in the flesh. So here's our lesson this morning. First comfort, then conflict. First strength, then weakness. Water, then desert. Refreshing water and then dry, parched ground. It's not coincidence that temptation follows the victory of baptism in the life of Christ. And it's not a coincidence that temptation has followed your spiritual victories also. Because there is an evil one in this world. There is one who wants to cause us to struggle. And we see it again here in this passage in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, starting in verse 1 and going through verse 11. And we're going to read it in just a minute. But I want to talk about the source of our struggle. The source of our struggle. Uh, it seems like uh, we have really struggled uh, with blaming other things rather than going to the source. You know, if, if you've ever uh, been on the Mississippi River down in Louisiana, uh, maybe you've noticed uh, or, or seen that they have done a lot of things to try to purify their water, uh, to try to uh, keep the toxins that have gotten into the water out of it and trying to repair things that have been done upstream, but the problem is, if there's being, if toxic material is being poured into the river upstream, it's going to flow down. It's going to eventually impact those who live further down. And it seems like in this country, uh, we've got some, some really toxic things going on. And there's plenty of tributaries, there's plenty of, of rivers gushing out through our media and other places to make sure that that toxin reaches my heart and yours. It seems like it's everywhere and it's coming out so that it tempts us. Have you been able to keep a level head when you've watched the news lately? Have you been struggling with some of the information that's going on with some of the actions of people in our country? I have. But I want to encourage us, rather than blaming all the other things and setting up ideas of how to fix it at this point, To realize the source of the problem. The real source of the evil in this world is Satan. It's the devil. It is the evil one. And he has set himself against you. He has set himself against the church. He set himself against the way of righteousness. And sadly, we've taken part with him. Sadly, those toxins have reached our hearts. And we've chosen of our own free will to sin. We've chosen to listen to his voice rather than God's, and it started way back in the garden, didn't it? In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, it says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Do you hear him? Here he goes. He starts stretching the truth already, right? He he starts embellishing and saying, you can't eat any of this fruit? woman said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. He blew it out of proportion. He says, you can't eat any of this great looking fruit? She says, no, there's just one great looking fruit that we can't eat. There's only one. We're, We're not restricted from everything. Isn't that what he does? He loves to make us feel like we're so restricted, like there's nothing out there. He told him, God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, or you, if you do, you will die. Verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. You will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give to her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. Guys, watch out. (laughs) Don't get down on Eve. But when you recognize Adam was there, he should have stood up as a man and, and led his family, but instead he took a passive role and he allowed things to go on instead of saying something, instead of doing something. Her husband, who was with her, he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Suddenly they knew. So here's where it begins a rebellious decision against the teaching of Christ, uh, the, the way of God. We're tempted. The scriptures tell us in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, three ways. He says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, lust of the flesh. A craving for everything we see, lust of the eyes. And pride in our achievements and possessions, the pride of life. These are not from the Father, these are from the world. He says, listen, this is how Satan's going to attack you. These three ways. All the temptations that you're going to face in this world, they're going to come through one of these three modes. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These. This is how Satan's going to come at you. Did you notice what he did with Eve? He says, no, this fruit's going to make you wise. This fruit's going to make you like God. You're going to be more like him. Do you you see what he's doing here? Of course Eve wants to be like her father. Of course she wants to grow into into what he has called her to be, just as we do. And Satan twists it. And he says, this is the direction you need to go. This is the decision that you should make if you want that. But it's absolutely the opposite direction of where Eve wants to go. You know, Jesus was tempted in all ways like us. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Hebrews 4.15 tells us. He was God in the flesh. And so he struggled with that temptation. It was a struggle for him. It wasn't something that he could just gloss over because he's God in the flesh that it had no uh, bearing on him. It did because he had emptied himself of who he is and he'd become man. Allowing himself to experience life The way we experience it. I don't want us to ever forget that Satan is behind sin. And there is an intelligence behind evil. There's an intelligence behind evil. To write Satan off is foolish and naive. And yet, uh, we have so many who will say, yeah, but we know better now. We, we know that, that sin, you know, back in those days, they would attribute it to, to Satan because they didn't understand, you know, uh, mental disease. They didn't understand psychological problems. They didn't, and so they call it sin. But we're enlightened, right? <laughs> Let's not become so enlightened that we don't remember the truth. The truth is that there is an enemy And when we start blaming other things, rather than going to the source, rather than recognizing that Satan is toxic and he is bringing anything that is toxic into your life that he possibly can to keep you from being the person God designed you to be and called you to be. The Christian life is a battle. It's a constant and daily vigil to keep the temporal and perishable from crowding out the eternal and imperishable. In First Peter 5 and verse 8, the Holy Spirit warns us. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Did you hear he said, your enemy? Your enemy, the devil. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. Yeah, immediately after Jesus is baptized, he faces temptation. So do you think that your experience is going to be any different? Every time you make spiritual progress, there will be an opposite counterattack. It's going to happen. As you go through the scriptures, this truth is made clear to us over and over again. Romans chapter 7, verse 21, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin, that is dominated by death? Here's this question. Our older brother in the faith, Paul, is asking, inspired by the Spirit. He says, I struggle with this even though I know what's right. I do what's wrong. And you and I do it too. We struggle with this still even though we've seen Jesus and we know what he has accomplished for us. Ephesians 6 verse 10 he tells us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil the devil has strategies he has a plan to come against you to hurt you do you have a plan to stand against him have you talked to your children and your, your, your spouse? Have you made a, a, a family plan? You know, we make family plans about if there might be a fire in the house. and You, you know which exit you're going to take, right? We make family plans about vacations. We make family plans about finances. We make family plans about important things. Do we have a family plan to fight Satan? And does it not start with the word of God? Does it not start with being with other christians surrounding ourselves with the strength that comes from knowing christ and being with those who know christ satan is toxic he wants to attack your family he wants to destroy your family do you realize that there's an enemy out there he's seeking to devour you and your family so humble yourselves before god resist the devil and he'll flee from you james 4:7 you see satan is our enemy but he is not God's equal. He's not God's equal. I don't know why he chose to get in the ring with Jesus. But here he is. He, he steps into this ring with Jesus Christ. And he, he gives us this amazing moment in time that we can look at now and say, wait a second, I can make it through this life. I can overcome in this life. Because Jesus has overcome in this life. And because he is my substitute. Because he is my uh, the one who's stood in my place he's the propitiation he's my atonement now i can overcome also satan's been defeated but he's not been destroyed let's just talk about the strategy of satan now in matthew chapter 4 read along with me in verse 1 then jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry During that time, the devil, he came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, you hear that? If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you remember the word that he had just received from God? After his baptism, the Spirit came down like a dove, it says, and lighted on him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He'd received a word from God, and you have too. Verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, If you're the, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came. And took care of Jesus. Here's the strategy of Satan. When we look at what Satan did to Jesus, we're going to see what he is doing to us in temptation. Did you hear him? He said, turn these stones into bread. Throw yourself down in public off the top of the temple and and float. So all these people see you. He says, worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And each time Jesus meets it with the word of God and with the fact of his identity, the fact that he is the Son of God, uh, who he truly is, even though he's using, he's living by the power of the Spirit rather than his own. What would have happened if he turned those stones into bread? Yeah, you know, we look at that and we think, it seems so simple. He was hungry. Eat. Right? It seems like something uh, that, that's so small, and it doesn't seem like it would make that big of a difference. There's some bread. Uh, there's some rocks. Turn it into bread. Eat it. You know you can do it. Throw yourself down. Uh, float down from the t- highest point in the temple. All the crowds that are there, they're going to see that. You can skip the cross and just take the crown. Uh, look at all the kingdoms of the world, they can be yours. Just bow down. You see what Satan's doing? striking at his identity, striking against the word of God and the plan of God. Do you remember what John said to Jesus at his baptism? John asked him, what are you doing in my place and I in yours? There in Matthew 3. It says that Jesus went to Galilee to be baptized by John. John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? You see, the Jesus' answer is that he is John's and our substitute. He is here to take our place. 1 John 2 and verse 2, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. And so when you look at Satan saying, turn these stones into bread, I hope that you'll, you'll, you'll recognize Satan is hurling himself at the very heart of Christianity. Every religion says, you live a holy and righteous life and give it to God. Only Christianity says Jesus has lived a holy and righteous life, and he gives it to you. And this is a huge, profound difference. He's not saying somehow you're going to live up to this. He's saying, I'm going to take your place. I'm going to walk in this for you. And it should remind us, we should remember Genesis 15, uh, back in the covenant with Abram, as God is establishing his covenant with him, with those three promises and the cleaving of the animals, the sign of that covenant. And it says how that Abram had fallen asleep, but he woke up a little bit obviously because it tells us that he saw the fire pot pass in between the animals. It passed through there, God sealing the covenant all on his own without Abram walking through it. Without Abram having the strength to be what he should. God said, no, I know you can't, so I'll do it for you. And this is what Jesus is doing for us. And he's proving it to us. You see, Satan's attack on Jesus is an assault on God's plan for substitution. Satan is daring Jesus to use his own divine power to meet his physical needs, to accomplish his mission, to establish his kingdom on this earth. He's calling Jesus out. He says, do it yourself. Just be an example to all these people and say, you got to be like me. Now, now follow my example. Don't be the substitute. Don't do it for them. But that's exactly What Jesus does. Jesus, he comes and lives our life. He dies the death that we deserve so that us, we who are weak, can be saved through his righteousness. This is how God loved the world, that he gave his only one son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. the difference between our struggle and Jesus' struggle was that he was totally devoted to being led by the Spirit. He was totally devoted to being led by the Spirit. In fact, in Acts 10 and verse 37 and 38, as the as teaching is occurring here uh, to, to help people understand what Jesus has done, uh, notice what is said and how it's described. How did Jesus accomplish all that he did? He said, you know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after John began preaching his message of baptism, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. How did he do it? He did it with the power of the Spirit. Do you remember every miracle he ever did? Remember all the things Jesus said? He said, Every word I speak, it comes from the Father. Every deed that he did, all these miracles, he prayed to God about those things. And he told the people, This is the power of God, this is the power of the Spirit. And through the Spirit's power, through the power of the Father, he accomplished all that he did for us. Not through his own power. He emptied himself. He emptied himself so that he could set an example and take our place. What a Savior. He was totally devoted to being led by the Spirit. Over in Luke 4, 1 and 2, again, it tells us Jesus was full of the Spirit he returned from the river. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And each time you read about his temptation, you see that he was led by the Spirit. And everything he accomplished, he was led by the Spirit. Sure, he could have done it on his own. But that wouldn't accomplish what Jesus knew needed to be accomplished. As described for us in Philippians 2, verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Then when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. What a Savior. What a Savior we have the privilege to serve. And did you notice how how Satan always said to Jesus, if you're the Son of God? If you're the son of God, Satan's strategy is to attack, to crush, to smear, to distort, to dismantle and confuse your identity. That's his strategy. He's after your identity as a son of God, as a daughter of God. That's what he's attacking. If you are a Christian, if you're a daughter of the Most High, it's either that you aren't worthy or you aren't really accepted, right? And yet, just as the Spirit came down on Jesus to identify him at his baptism, the Spirit has also come down to indwell you at your baptism. Acts 2 and verse 38, Peter told them, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Do you have this power that was at work in Jesus Christ? The power that raised him from the dead? The power that now can give you the strength to overcome temptation? To overcome sin in this life? As temptations comes, I want to encourage you. Remember the word of God. Quote those scriptures or open your Bible and start reading and listen to what God says. It will destroy the attack that Satan's bringing against you. It will end the temptation when you bring the powerful word of God into the situation. But we don't do it, do we? We don't choose to do it. We think, oh, I shouldn't do this. But rather than speaking the word of God, we hear another voice, don't we? Another voice saying, well, it's not that bad. It's just a little white lie. It's not going to hurt anybody. Well, it rails against the plan of God for your life. The fact that Jesus already conquered sin for you. The the fact that that it's already been defeated. Now you must stand against the strategies of the devil. And that's all that you have to do. He will flee from you when you resist, when you say, no, I don't want to be a part of sin. I want it out of my life. The same spirit that gave Jesus the power to rise from the dead is at work in you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind, it leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But... You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in You, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. You have resurrection power in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are, what? Children of God. Children of God. You see, you're made right with God through Christ and through his sacrifice. At his baptism, God himself said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. At your baptism, he says the same thing. As you strive... For faith, as you strive for righteousness, God says the same thing. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You have taken on the family of God. You have been brought into the family of God by Jesus Christ. You are worthy in Christ. You are accepted in Christ. Your truest identity is a son or a daughter of God. 1 John 1:12, he says, but to all who believed and accepted him, He gave the right to become children of God. They're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Don't accept the toxic waste that comes from Satan at you every day. That Satan sends your way through music and and entertainment. That, That Satan sends your way even through the news and through all the things going around in this world around us. No, you choose to be led by the Spirit as Christ chose to be led by the Spirit. You choose to remember that you already have a substitute. You already have one, the Holy One, Jesus, who has defeated the evil one. And now here you stand, a soul, a precious soul, a precious soul that God created that He wants, that He wants to be with for all eternity. But He gives you the choice Will you follow Him? Or will you choose to be your own savior and jump? Will you choose to be your own savior and by your own strength turn those stones into bread? By your own strength conquer the world. By your own strength live life rather than submitting to the spirit and walking according to his ways. Are you still trying to overcome by your own strength? Are you truly devoted to being led by the spirit? Have we even asked this question? if we're truly devoted to being led by the Spirit, we're going to be asking God to help us make better decisions, to help us be truly committed to the church, to say something to our lost neighbors and friends and family members, to speak up for Christ and to be the people that we can be because of what Jesus did for us. I want you to realize, if you're a Christian, you're a son, you're a daughter of the King, Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be used by God? Then pray the prayer. Ask the Spirit to fill you. Ask the Spirit to continue to sanctify you. Ask the Spirit to guide you in every decision that your decisions might glorify him and that your decisions might also bring more into the kingdom of God. You have access to the same power that Jesus chose he chose to be led by the Spirit. Do you, do you choose to be led by the Spirit, the power of the Spirit that lives in you, that was given to you because of what Jesus accomplished in his life, his death, burial, and resurrection for you? This morning, I want to encourage you to respond to God's grace in obedient faith. Say, I'm not going to live on my own strength anymore. I'm not going to make my own decisions anymore. I'm going to allow the Spirit to lead me I'm going to check with God before I step into things that I'm not certain of. And I'm not going to allow that toxic waste to continue to flow into my family's heart, into my heart, and keep me from doing things, saying things, and being the person that God made me to be.
0: Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week.